1: Letting Quentin control the music for the rest of the show today. Someone on the text line, sometimes the text line has gold. Someone on the text line said, hey, Sita, my son came home and said that other kids at school are starting to get sick. So I bought him a Kadarius Tony jersey so he wouldn't catch it. Absolutely hilarious. Banger. I've never heard that joke before. That's that's good that's an a plus yo let's give this man a free pizza man let's give him a free pizza hold on let me let me let me text him back we're giving you a free pizza that was good that's a plus i hadn't heard that one that's strong really really strong <laughs> the other kids are getting sick at school i got him a Kadarius tony jersey <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, let's head to the phone lines. Let's be joined by Cody Tap. Speaking of wide receivers, uh, we're going around the station to asking people their thoughts on the wide receiver room. Uh, Cody, this is a top five text that we've gotten this year.
2: That's a pretty good one, honestly. There's a lot of bad jokes on the text line, so I appreciate a solid one. And yeah, I mean, the jokes write themselves when you have like a 17 percent drop rate, right?
1: No, 100 percent. It absolutely does, Co- Cody. I asked you, earlier I was like, hey, can you come on the show? I know, you know, it's kind of everybody's Friday at the station. Nobody's going to be here tomorrow. They're just playing Fox Sports. Why are
2: you at Buffalo Wild Wings right now? All right, so once a week uh, with Buffalo Wild Wings and Bud Light, uh, me or Alex and then sometimes uh, Dean from 106.5, we come out here and we hang out. They pretty much just hand out free beer and give you a chance to win stuff. Sometimes it's free tickets to a Chiefs game. Sometimes it's an autograph. I think next week it's an autograph, Travis Kelsey football. This week it's just like super – cool, like, hard shell Bud Light cooler. You know, one of those ones you'd probably pay 250 for if you had to go buy it, or you could just come win it here until 6.
1: Why haven't you been telling us? I've never, You've never shared this information with me.
2: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you haven't asked on a Thursday. They also hand out, usually the Bud Light girls are handing out free beers. It looks like the Chiefs two leaders are here as well, so good crowd. We'll be here till 6. Where are you at again? I mean, tell so people so they can come out and try
1: to get this prize?
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm off. Uh, I'm in Eliza at the Buffalo Wild Wings, just off a of Stringline Road, like across the street from that AMC.
1: What's your favorite uh, wing flavor? Like, what, what do you what do you get? What do you order?
2: I like something with spice. So typically, like something like you know, like sriracha honey, sweet and spicy together.
1: Right now, we're talking to Cody Tapp, who is just at Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, just hanging out. They're giving away things. Uh, all right, let's just start with this. There are seven wide receivers in the room. How many of these yep. wide receivers do you like? How many do you trust? Like, where, where are you at? What's your thought process with the wide receiver room?
2: Okay. One I like, that's where she writes. Um, him and him alone, I'd like a 100% snap rate for him. They're slowly working towards that. Elite-level wide receivers do that. And unfortunately for them, they don't got to wait till year two or three to do it. They just got to play them 100% of the snaps and move on. Like for the role they do, Justin Watson's fine. He's like MBS, but they don't talk about his blocking as much. All they ask him to do is to show up, take 40 snaps, and catch one pass for 40 yards. That's what they used to ask MBS to do, but he stopped catching the pass for 40 yards. Justin Watson still does it. So just as long as they limit his snaps, I don't have a problem with what he does. There's not a single other person I like. I'm I'm done being sold on all of them. That includes Richie James. I'd probably give him a few more snaps just to see. But we keep pretending like 400 – we're having the same conversations we had in training camp, like somehow we didn't learn a lesson. All I hear is about how if Richie James got 30 snaps, boy, he'd be the solution. I'm like, we did this. We did this with Sky Moore. We did it with Tony. We did it with MVS two years ago. We've done it with Justin Watson. We've done it with Justin Ross. We don't have to do it with Richie James. Yeah, if he wants the snaps, it's fine. The only thing I'm focused on is Richie Rice gets all of them. Um uh, Justin Watson gets his, and then they just try to shorten the rotation. They choose the two other guys they like the most and stop giving everyone 25 and instead get a few guys 40.
1: Yeah, the analogy that I've made, Cody, is I think Justin Watson is a guy that probably averages seven points per game that they're asking him to average 19. That, like, he's just not that kind of score. Like, that's not a guy that you want to get those kind of shots. He's really good in his role. The fact that you and I agree. We had Fesco earlier. He agrees. We had Binko. The fact that all of us agree that Justin Watson is your second best wide receiver, that should tell you everything you need to know about this wide receiver room.
2: Yeah, like if you're going to make the NBA now, I just want him to be Kyle Corver. Just post up in the corner and hit some three. I don't need you doing anything else. I don't want you for your defense. I don't want you, like, I don't need you putting up 30. You're not Young. You're not Harden. You're not a volume shooter, but they treat him like that sometimes. It's, he's fine. He is okay in his role. It's a sentence I used to. I think this is what's frustrating about NDS. We don't put enough heat on him. What's frustrating about NDS is I've been him for years because Alex would be like, he could turn into a 900 receiver. No, he's not. NDS is fine. He's a 650-yard wide receiver who, you know, catch like 40 balls and he'll get 650 yards. But, you know, the threat of him adds enough to your offense. He's not even doing that anymore. And, look, some of it's not his fault. Defenses have taken away the deep ball in the NFL, which means his job has become obsolete. It's like he used to be. Let's keep the, uh, the NBA stuff rolling. Carrington. He used to be a mid-range jump shooter. What's up? We don't want him anymore. Either shoot from three or get to the rim. We don't need, you know, like, NDS's job is going away in the NFL until offenses come back to the other side. He's not fast enough or strong enough or jumps high enough to do the things he used to do.
1: Cody, this is where I'll disagree with you a little bit. I am intrigued by the Richie James possibility. I mean, he's proven that he can be a capable wide receiver in the league. Sky Moore has never proven that. Kadarius Toney has never proven that. I mean, he had had almost 600 yards receiving last year. Now, I don't know if you're some dynamic offense, but by the time you get Richie James, but, like, he could be a guy who you think is reliable for this team in a room that doesn't have a lot of reliability. I am very interested in giving him a chance over these final three
2: games. I mean, I like him. I'll give him a chance just because, yeah, the I haven't seen him fail ratio. But if I go back to last year, and this is my problem with Richie James coming out of camp, I know that he's been hurt, so we don't think that's the case. I want you to you know that the Chiefs took a look at all these wide receivers. They took a look at Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony, MBS, and they came out of camp with a healthy – Richie James, and they said, we're good. They gave him, like, six snaps a game. So, unless something's dramatically changed, I mean, they've seen some of these guys fail, but, I mean, I'll give him a shot. I don't really care about that, but I'm not banking on it at all. To me, your only solution in receiving is to beat Richie Rice and beat Travis Kelsey and hope you find those one to two moments for the rest of the wide receivers per game that make up the difference. And then start using Noah Gray and start using the running backs and go to 12 personnel and do all the stuff that you know, shrinks the field for you and start playing
1: more of a power offense. That is our guy, Cody Tapp, joining us on the show today. He is out at Buffalo Wild Wings in Olathe. You know, the one over there by the movie theater. There's a Target over there. There's a GameStop over there. I think there's a Texas Roadhouse. You guys know the one I'm talking about. Go over there, see my guy, Cody Tapp. They're giving away stuff. Thanks, Cody.
2: Thanks, no
1: problem. I appreciate you, man. Someone on the text line, Quentin says, I wonder what Quentin's favorite wings are.
3: Uh, I like Korean barbecue because it's uh, got some spice to it, but it has to be bone in. I'm not eating a chicken nugget.
1: That's the first good take you've had all week. Well, you were shaking your head when
3: you, when I, I mean, was talking Korean
1: barbecue, I mean, I knew it. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be, Oh, I just love regular. It wasn't going to be like, Oh, I love lemon pepper or parmesan garlic. Like, of course, of course you would pick a bottom five flavor. Like we what? knew that
3: Korean barbecue is not a bottom five. flavor. Do you think Korean barbecue is a bottom five flavor? I think
1: it's a bottom five flavor. All right. I'm going to go to Buffalo wild wings and look at the flavors and then I want you to tell me where you think it is on the list, because I think it. Oh, there's 26. All right, we're not going through all of this. All right, 26. <laughs> immediately, so immediately. Yeah, 26 up.
3: is crazy. Like, all right, like. If only it was called Buffalo Wild Wigs.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. 26 is crazy. Like I realized pretty early on. All right, I'm trying to pull up the 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 image here, so I so we can go through the list here and some of the some of the flavors of wings, because you just can't you can't tell me this is one of the better kinds. You can't you can't convince me of that. All right, this is what we got. You're telling me that it's better than lemon pepper?
3: I don't, I'm not a big lemon pepper person.
1: We heard it on Spotify that you're not a lemon pepper person. We heard it. Would you rather have that than have uh, mango habanero or Caribbean jerk? I don't, I don't know if it's better than honey barbecue. I do. Honey barbecue is really good. I usually I think honey barbecue is their best flavor. I usually like at, that, at Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm not saying of all the options. Like I right. rather have good lemon pepper wings, but at Buffalo Wild Wings, I think honey barbecue is their best flavor. I
3: usually do like half honey barbecue, half Korean barbecue. You can't be going to a place like Buffalo Wild Wings to get one flavor.
1: Okay. All right. I want to play a game coming up. I'd like to play a Christmas game. I would like to give some of you a chance to win a prize. I don't think we have that many pizzas left. Rob's not here, so I don't know our normal pizza allotment. I just, I'm giving pizzas out and I'll let Rob figure it out whenever Rob gets back here, you know? Like, it's the
3: giving season. Yeah,
1: I'll just, you know, and I'll just tell Rob, hey, you know what? It's your job to handle the pizza allocation. That's that's your job. Uh, we're going to play a game, 913 586 7610. If you like Christmas, then this game is for you. We'll play it coming up on the other side. We'll get back to the Chiefs as well. Keep- this
0: episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: We're letting Quentin control the music for the rest of the show. I mean, if you've missed it, it's basically been, have you been to a Chiefs game? Because if you've been to a Chiefs game, then you have heard all the songs that Quentin really, really likes. We'll talk about Thursday Night Football. We actually have an important game. It is not a good game. It is two 7-7 seven seven teams. But the chances of you making the playoffs with a win or a loss drastically change depending on who wins today. we got the New Orleans Saints traveling to Los Angeles take on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams would currently be the 7 seed. They're 7 and 7. The Saints are on the outside looking in. They're 7 and 7. The winner has a winning record, the loser has a losing record. This is a this is as big of a regular season game that you can have between two teams that we don't think can win the Super Bowl. So we'll talk about uh Thursday night football coming up in a bit. All right, this is what we're going to do. We are going to play a very simple game called the IMDb game, I am going to read you the description of a movie. You tell me if you know what movie it is. So we have we have seven here. If you get five out of the seven, we'll give you a pizza. If you don't, we're going to give your pizza to somebody on the text line. That is how simple the game is. All right. Quentin, give me a little bit of holiday music here. Give me a little Christmas music. So we can play the IMDb game. Alex, are you there? Yes. All right. Are you ready to play the game? Yes, sir. All right. Raised as an oversized person, our hero travels to the North Pole to New York City to meet his biological father, who he doesn't know exists, in desperate need of some Christmas spirit. Elf. The movie is Elf. In the 1940s, a young boy convinces his parents, teacher, and Santa Claus to get him the gift that he really, really wants. A Christmas story. A Christmas story. The Grinch. Oh, I I told you the name of the movie. Oh, my goodness. I gave you one. That doesn't count. We got extra ones. My bad. (laughs) The next movie. This movie is about an angel sent from heaven. To help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what life would be like if he never existed. Scrooged. The movie is called "It's a Wonderful Life." All right, you're down one here. You got to get hot now. This movie is about an eight-year-old who must defend his home from burglars on Christmas Eve. Home Alone. Quentin really wanted you to get this pizza, Alex. He really wanted you to get the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Just desperately wanted you to get this pizza. All right, this next movie. uh, This movie takes place on Christmas Eve. It is about a young boy who embarks on a magical adventure to the North Pole while learning about friendship, bravery, and the spirit of Christmas. The Polar Express? It is the Polar Express. Two more here. While visiting his hometown during Christmas, a man comes face-to-face with his high school crush and best friend, a woman whose rejection of him turns him into a ferocious womanizer. Just Friends. Just Friends is correct. Ryan Reynolds. Alex, I want to read to you. You've already won the prize. I want to read to you the IMDb description that our guy Quentin has written down for us because he basically just tells you the movie. This is what he wrote down. <laughs> okay. This movie is about the the Griswold family and their big plans for a Christmas vacation that turns into a disaster. <laughs> That's what he wrote down. It's not my fault. The IMDb <laughs> put the Christmas name vacation. of the
2: movie.
1: <laughs> Alex, let me put you on hold here. Congratulations, Alex. Quinn, when I told you to do this, you had to kind of, you had to hide it a little bit. You really wrote down the Griswold's plans For a big family vacation, predictably. Where's the intrigue?
3: I I was hoping that Polar Express. One
1: of these, you put the name of the movie in the description. Polar Express.
3: I thought Polar (laughs) Express and uh, Just Friends, I thought, was going to be difficult. But I I I guess
1: not. You can't describe Elf any better than this. Raised as an Oversight Elf buddy travels to the... I don't even even like the movie. I would have told you it was Elf. You know what, Quentin? You did your best, man. I'm happy. You did your best. I'm proud of you. Thank you for helping. Congratulations to Alex. The easiest game... Rob would have made it tough. Rob would have gave you Santa Claus. He would have gave you Fred Claus. He would have really threw some curveballs in there. Quinn was not too interested in the curveballs today. Congratulations to you, Alex. You were the winner of a large pizza from our friends at the other place. Earlier today, J.J. Piccolo was on our friends, Cody and Gold. Here's what J.J. Piccolo said about the Royals and them going for it in the division.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, this year, 23 was just not fun. I mean, it was uh, was a tough year. Um, We were frustrated with a lot of things. We were learning along the way because we're excited about our coaching staff. We're excited about a lot of our young players, uh, but it was clear to us at the end of the year that if we're going to capitalize uh, on, on a group of, of young players, a core of players, uh, if we're going to capitalize on, on their time here and our ability to push forward, we needed to be really aggressive this offseason. And you know, I think we outlined pretty clearly uh, where, where we thought we needed uh, to, to get deeper and where we need to get better. Uh, a lot of it was on the pitching side and then also just to uh, acquire a bat to put in the middle of the lineup. And fortunately, we were able to get a, a nice player in Garrett Hampson as well. So, um, you know, it was a very focused um, approach to what we were doing. Uh, we were very aggressive from the get-go with free agents, very aggressive in trade ideas amongst our, our pro scouting departments. And um, I'm proud of the way they went about their business and the the way we handled things and the way we were were able to work through things and ultimately arrive at a roster that looks a lot stronger right now than it did uh, at the end of September.
1: That was J.J. Piccolo earlier today on Cody and Gold talking about the Royals and how they've handled this offseason. I don't think that the offseason could have gone any better for the Royals than it has. I think the Royals had a plan. I think they executed the plan. And I don't think that they let finances be the reason why they didn't do something. I mean, we can be realistic about the Royals and their expectations and know that there are going to be certain free agents that the Royals are just never going to have access to. Like, that's just not the way that baseball is structured. But I do think that JJ Piccolo and his team and his staff went out over the course of the last couple of weeks and, I think they maybe were given a budget, but they went to the owner and said, hey, we think this is the piece that we really, really need. You remember, J.J. Pacolo was talking about how he felt they had $30 million to spend this offseason. They spent significantly more than that. They have committed themselves to over $100 million in payroll over at least the next three seasons. I think they're trying. And I believe that's all you've really asked the Royals to do is to put – a nice college try on it. I think the fans are smart enough to know what the Royals can and cannot do and what are realistic expectations of them at this time of the year. I think the Royals went out and they got what they needed. I think it was pretty well known in baseball circles. They want to pick up a couple of starting pitchers and they got two of them. You got Michael Waka, you got Seth Lugo. So you got four starting pitchers heading into next year. Now you're going to need some depth injuries are going to happen. Someone might underperform. You understand that, but, How you spent money and how you operated and how you moved the last couple of years, it just didn't give you a realistic shot at competing in the upcoming season. I think they've given themselves a chance at competing. Now, is that going to result in them making the playoffs? I don't know. But it's about baby steps. Can they get you to June 1 and can you be interested in is going out to the stadium something that you're excited about? hey, the Royals are playing a big series this week against the Chicago White Sox. They're only five games back. They got a three-game set at home. I want to go out to the ballpark. I want to potentially be a difference and help this team. Have they put together a product that you're proud of? I don't think they have the last couple of years. I think they made a pretty valid attempt at trying to do that, and now we'll see if it works out. We'll see if this is a team that people go out and support, and if they're a team that's worthy of you going out and supporting. J.J. Piccolo also talked about the importance of free agency pitching. Here's J.J. Piccolo earlier today on Cody and Gold.
5: Yeah, it it, it's big because, uh, well, Michael Walker in particular, you know, talked about being here in 14 and 15 and feeling the crowd. You know, Will Smith had been traded, but Will Smith's friends with all those guys, and Will Will's gone on to do great things in his career. But he knows what Kansas City's about. Uh, You talked to Hunter Renfro, and he talks about. You know, I knew Kansas City was a place I wanted to go. And then he mentions, you know, I talked to Hosmer, I talked to Mestakis. I talked to Kane and Shields. He's played with all those guys. So, you know, there was influences. And again, when guys are playing six, eight, six to eight to ten years in the big leagues, they come across people in the game, and and the players will tell you where where's where to, where should I go or where where's a good place to play. And, and all of these guys had a desire to come to Kansas City. I think once we, we got Will signed, that that quickly evolved into getting Stratton signed. We already had Anderson on board, so our bullpen looks different. Now we start to focus on the starting pitchers, and, you know, we, we get Lugo done, and now Michael Walker, you know, really loves what he's seeing. And, um, you know, they all talk about winning. They're at a point in their careers where they're not worried about whether or not they're a major league player. They want to win ball games. They want to win a division, and they all shared that with me. At the, I know some of them said, them said that in their Zoom calls or press conferences. So the mindset's right, and that's where you can transcend the roster and uh, create a culture of winning when you add the right people.
1: A creating a culture of winning in Kansas City. I think that's really important. If you were some of the guys in the core of this team, losing and being out of it for most of the summer is all you know. Bobby Wood Jr. hasn't played a meaningful game since he's been here in Kansas City. Vinny Pascantino hasn't played. Mikel Garcia, like the core of your team, all they know, at least when you've gotten to the big leagues, is losing. I do think it's really important, not just to show the fan base, but I think it's really important to show those guys that you believe in them, and you're going to give them the support that they need when it comes to starting pitching and getting them some quality bullpen. I also think the division plays a major part. It feels up for the taking. Who's the best team in the American League Central? And how many games do you think they're going to win? 85? Is that completely out of the realm of possibility for the Royals? I don't know if it's out of the realm. I mean, it's probably unlikely, but you don't know until you try. You don't know until you go for it. And I think they've put themselves in a position where you can at least go for it and feel good. Someone on the text line asked, CDOT, do you think the Royals spent money to help with the stadium talks? Yeah. But I don't mind that. I mean, I think... If if you were going with that philosophy, and I don't think that's a bad philosophy to go with, the Royals are asking you to spend money, so they need to spend money. The Royals are asking to take money out of your paycheck. That's what they're asking. They're asking you to take money out of your bank account to help them pay for one of their projects. I didn't ask for a new stadium. You didn't ask for a new stadium. They're the ones that want the new stadium. So they're like, hey, can you help us? Can you give us a little bit of money? Sure. But in return for that, we need you guys to commit to doing some things. We would like to see you guys do your part. And if that means them spending money on the baseball team and trying to field a competitive product, I, I'm, I'm for it. I'm all for it. I am all for the Royals being meaningful. I'm all for it. Uh, last thing I want to play for you guys, we're going to be joined by Kling here coming up in a bit and get his thoughts on the Chiefs wide receiver room. JJ Piccolo was asked about the importance of trying to win for the young guys, so they don't get used to losing. Here is what JJ Piccolo had to say:
5: That's a real thing. Um, they, you know, we're all humans. We're all emotional. Uh, that's a real thing. And when players start going in into games night after night, not believing that we can win, that that becomes a really difficult hurdle to get over. Um, you know, I don't feel like we were there. Uh, just based on how we played in August and September, we didn't lose the teams. As a matter of fact, a couple of the free agents we spoke to talked about how they pitched against us late in the year. And it didn't look like a 106-loss team, which was encouraging because you want to be objective in, in how you view your own club. But when other people are telling you that and it's on par with what you think, I think that, that's a good feeling for us. But I don't feel like we were in jeopardy of that. Um, but we did need to make a move to try to win more ball games and compete at much higher level in '24 because that may have been a result uh, when you get to July and August of next year. It just beats players up mentally, physically, and it becomes a a, a, a tough situation to come to work every day, not believing you can win. But I, hopefully, we've avoided that, and now we can right the ship and get moving in the right direction.
1: I think what JJ said there at the end, it's tough to go to work every single day and do your best and be committed when you don't think you have a chance to win. And I know they're professional athletes. That's what you get paid to do, but they're also people, you know, you're also people. And if you're 31 games under 500, the way that the Royals have been, it's impossible for you to convince me that all, every single player is out there trying their absolute hardest and doing their best when you don't really feel like it matters. You don't feel like it matters. So, All right, let's step aside here. Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined by Josh Klingler. We're catching up with Six Ten hosts to get their take on the wide receiver room.
2: We really need new
4: phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
1: Cling on the other side. Keep it right here. It's the drive. Coming up in just a bit, we'll be joined by Josh Klingler, getting him on the line here. We are going around 6'10", and we are asking different people their thoughts on the wide receiver room. He's the last person we'll ask his thoughts, to. Yesterday, Nate Taylor was on Cody and Gold, and here's what he said on how he thinks the snap should be distributed after Sky Moore's injury being placed on the IR. If it were up to me, um, and this is based on understanding how the team
6: works, the positions, the roles, um, it, it's time for Kadarius Tony to take a, to take a game. It's time for him to sit yeah. down, um, understand the consequences. Everybody knows he wants to be out there. Everybody knows he's really competitive, um, but it's gotta hurt. And the only way to make it hurt is a very reduced role, emergency player. If somebody else gets hurt, maybe you'll get in, but you're not playing your usual amount of snaps against the Raiders. Which leads me to say that Rasheed Rice is your number one receiver. Uh, they made a distinction Sunday against the Patriots that Justin Watson is wide receiver, two as of right yeah. now. You still have Marquez Valdez-Scanlon as your deep threat, your, your, your wide receiver three. And right now, based on what Andy Reid told us on Monday, it looks like Richie James is probably wide receiver four. Those are your four guys that you can really go with from now through the rest of the sprint towards the playoffs. And if you want to sprinkle in a little bit of Justin Ross in some red zone one-on-one jump ball opportunities like he kind of saw in the Minnesota game.
1: Sure, that's fine. That was Nate Taylor on Cody and Goal when he was talking about what he would do with the Chiefs' snaps now that Sky Moore is on the injured reserve list and how he would handle Kadarius Toney. What happened to Kling? Where's Kling at? Kling just hung up?
3: I don't know. I can't.
1: All right, call back. Trying. We'll, we'll try to get Kling back on the phone here. We'll try to be joined by our guy, Josh Klingler, to get his thoughts on the wide receiver room. I mean, you guys know where I am on the wide receivers. I mean, this is how, how I would handle the wide receiver room. I would start number one with Rasheed Rice. I mean, it is very, very clear. It is very, very obvious to me. That Rasheed Rice is their best option. He gives them their best chance. He is the most explosive player in that room. They have done a really good job of trying to utilize him and get the most out of his abilities. I'm with it. They've thrown it to him 38 times over the last couple weeks, the last four weeks, and you know what? He has been really, really good. He has been very, very productive. He's been really good. So Rasheed Rice is their number one. Number two for this team, I think, has been Justin Watson. I think Justin Watson has been by far and away the most reliable pass-catching options that the Kansas City Chiefs have. I don't know if he's one of the better options, but if you're asking me, all right, remove yourself from Rasheed Rice. Separate him from everybody else. Who do you trust more out of Justin Watson, Justin Ross, MVS, Kadarius Toney, Sky Moore, it's Justin Watson, and it's not close. Like, Kadarius Tony certainly looks the part a lot more. He certainly looks the part. It's, it's not close to me between the two and who you should use and how you should use those individuals. It is not close to me and how you should do it. So I got Justin Watson as my number two option on this team. I think you have to have MVS as your, as your third option. I think he has to be a major part of this team. They just need some downfield threat. And I don't think he is a great downfield threat by any way, like means I I just, I don't think that he is a good option by any means, but I also think that he's one of the best of the bad options. I think you got to go with him. I think you got to go with MVS down the stretch. And I really want to see what they can do from Rishi James. I want to see him get the ball more. I want to see him get more targets. I want to see him get more opportunities and I want to see him be a bigger part of the offense. Someone on the text line says, "Cdot, now you like Justin Watson pick a lane. I mean, I've had my same stance on Justin Watson this entire year. Justin Watson is a okay wide receiver in the NFL. Like he shouldn't be your number two option, but he's also the best option that they have. I made the analogy. I think he is a guy that is a seven point per game score that the chiefs are trying to ask him to score 19 points per game but they just don't really have any other option. Like in an ideal world, Justin Watson is your number four or number five wide receiver. That's what he has been his entire year. He shouldn't be a guy that's going to get 50 targets this year, the way that he has, but that's kind of where we are with the Kansas city chiefs this season. So it's not really like, I, I, I don't dislike Justin Watson. I just don't really know what there is to be overly excited about with Justin Watson. I think he's fine. I think he's fine. Like he's a player that we shouldn't talk about as much as we have because you just have far better options than he has. But the fact that the chiefs only have one better option than Justin Watson, I think kind of goes to show you why they are in the situation that they are when it comes to the wide receiver room. I think it kind of explains why their wide receiver room is just kind of, why it's kind of, and then with, with Richie James, We're talking about a guy who last year had almost 600 yards receiving. Like last year had almost 600 yards. It just, it doesn't make sense to me how they have been unable to get anything from him this year. He only has eight targets. Like they just haven't really got him involved. He hasn't really been a major part of anything that they've done. I want to see them give that a chance over the course of the next couple of weeks. Here's what Nate Taylor had to say about the wide receiver room. You can obviously use Jarek McKinnon.
6: Uh, they have Noah Gray. I just think they're going to try to be a little bit more multiple and because the weather's gonna change, it's gonna get colder, it's gonna get more of a grind type of feel, they're not gonna be as explosive. You're you're asking Marquez Valdez, Scanlon, Justin Watson to make one play downfield each, right? Similar to what Watson did against the Patriots, which means you lean on the running game, you lean on play action, and you spread the ball around to where Um, hey, if they're going to double Travis Kelsey, that's great. You knew that's what the Patriots were going to do. So it is impressive to me that Rasheed Rice was ready to take on the responsibility of moving the chains when you know a defense is going to sort of make Travis Kelsey their focal point. That's what you're going to see in the postseason as well. Um, But it is helpful that when Patrick Mahomes is as accurate and as on time as he was against the Patriots, they have other options than receivers to move the football.
1: So that was Nate Taylor when we asked him about the wide receiver room and what he had to say. I mean, at this point, I mean, we kind of know the options. Like, they're not adding anybody. They're not taking anybody away. At least we're not sure if they're going to do that or not. And I think on Monday we'll find out kind of how they answer this problem. I think we know who the best four are on this team, Rice, Watson, MVS, and James. And then you've got Tony on the outside. You've got McCole Hardman on the outside. And you got Justin Ross. Justin Ross can maybe help you at some point. I don't know how much he's helping you right now. He's still incredibly young, incredibly inexperienced. And you got too many problems for them to be teaching on the fly when it comes to Justin Ross. He just wouldn't really be part of my offense, at least for the rest of the season. But we'll see how they handle it. And then you got Tony and McCole. And I would say that those guys are relegated basically to – Can you be a gadget player? Can you help give us a spark? I mean, maybe if you want to say that MVS is going to be the odd man out and you're going to give those opportunities, those balls down the field to McCole Hardman instead of MVS, I'll listen to you. But when it comes to Kadarius Toney, he's just not a player that I trust consistently that I'm sure can help you. I'm just not sure how much he's going to be of a help down the stretch. It really feels like we're at that crossroads. It feels like we are at that point with him. That's not really what I would do. Quentin, I'll ask you this. How would you handle the wide receiver room? I've told you how I would do it. I would get it narrowed down to the four, Rice, Watson, MVS, and James, and I'd use Tony and McCole in kind of that gadget player role. How are you handling the room?
3: I agree with the mantra of like trimming the fat. That's that's the phrase that I keep finding myself saying, just that trim the fat, get rid of all of that extra, you know, options that we know just aren't going to work, Um, especially with Pacheco being injured. I know he talked about any talked about today that they're expecting Pacheco to come back, but I think that to take some of the stress off Pacheco, why not use Tony in the run game? We see what, how it works with Debo Samuel out in San Francisco and I know that you know he's no Debo Samuel, but the thing that keeps coming back about Katerius Tony, it's, wow, look how explosive he is. Look how good he is when he gets the ball in his hand. Well, give him the ball in space when you're you know running a draw play and sort of take him out of the, the role of catching the ball, but you're still able to use him in the, in the run game in the offense. So I think take his options away and put him into the run game. And then, yeah, you got to start narrowing it down because it's December. You know, Christmas is on Monday. You need to make sure you have your reliable options and continuing to spread the ball around isn't going to build up your offense the way I think the Chiefs wanted to do it early in the season. It hasn't worked. So I'm good. Rice is clearly your number one. I think that Watson has proven himself to be at least more reliable than the other guys. And I know Chiefs fans probably don't want to hear it, but I think you still have to use MVS in this this offense. He does stretch the field. There are a lot of routes that are built into this offense where MVS is never going to get the ball thrown to him, but he's on the field to drag corners and guys out of the way. So those are probably the one, two, three that I would go with, and I don't know how you're supposed to use McColl coming back. I mean, we haven't seen McColl used in this offense in a year and a half, so I just don't know how you're supposed to use him.
1: Text line 913-586-7610. We'll get back to the wide receivers coming up at the top of the hour. I do have a question to ask you guys. Because I would say that the Chiefs, over the course of the last, I don't know, three, four years, maybe even longer than that, they have had some villains, you know? Like, for a long time, I would say Phillip Rivers was a villain. Like, you guys hated Phillip Rivers. He was a crier. He was a complainer. He was a powder. When he didn't get his way, I would say that at one point he was a villain. Some of you hate Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning was a villain. The the no punt game going to the Denver Broncos all the times that they beat you. He was a villain. He was one of your least favorite players in the league. Are we at the point that there is only one villain left for the Kansas City Chiefs? That's why I'm asking you guys to tell me because like, I don't know if you guys view Josh Allen as a villain. Now, maybe you view Joe Burrow in that way. Like I hate Cincinnati. I don't like Joe Burrow. I think there might only be three villains left for the chiefs. I think one is Tyree kill just because of how he left. And the fact that he has just never really stopped talking about the chiefs. Like, I think there is a group of you that just, I do not like Tyreek Hill. He is one of my least favorite players in the league. I understand everything that he did with the Chiefs, but that guy annoys me. Get him away from us. I would say that Tyreek is on that range. I would also say that Orlando Brown Jr. in a lot of ways feels like a villain. He was very polarizing when he was here. He then joined your quote rival in the Cincinnati Bengals. I think in some ways he has become a little bit of a villain. Is the last one Max Crosby for the Raiders? Uh, You think about it. He plays for the Raiders. He's probably their best player. If you don't want to argue him, you could argue Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams did push that kid. But I don't know if you guys dislike Devontae as much as you dislike Max Crosby. You have the whole back and forth with him and Patrick Mahomes when you mess with the wrong person. You saw that exchange on quarterback. He does play a little bit dirty. Now, Max Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in the National Football League. Is that the only villains that the Chiefs have? Two are former players and then Max Crosby. Like, I'm trying to think of who else you guys hate currently in the league. Like, you guys don't hate Jalen Hurts. I don't know if you guys hate Justin Herbert. Like, what has Justin Herbert done? Like, I don't even know what Justin Herbert sounds like. It's not like Justin Herbert has ever said anything. I think that might be the only villain left. It used to be a lot. You know, Von Miller used to be a villain. There was always three or four guys on the Raiders that used to be villains. It doesn't feel like there's that many of them anymore.
3: I got one for you. Nick Sirianni.
1: Mm, That's a good one
3: especially when you know when he was leaving the tunnel yelling at Chiefs fans and that you know I think he's a guy that if you're in Philadelphia you love him but around the league there are a lot of guys he rubs people the wrong way cuz he's a head coach and sometimes doesn't quote act like it I think Nick Sirianni would be on a lot of people's list
1: a lot of people are saying Joe Burrow was on that list and I'll listen to Joe Burrow you guys have certainly had a lot of back and forth the weird thing about Burrow is Other than him being the quarterback of the Bengals, I don't really know why you would dislike Joe Burrow. Like, it's not like Joe Burrow has a personality. I understand why people didn't like Phillip Rivers. I get why people don't like Tom Brady, like his personality. I don't really know what there is to dislike about Joe Burrow or what there is. Like, A lot of people are saying, I don't like Jamar Chase because he's really good at football. Like, I don't really know if there's a reason to dislike him. I get why you don't like Max Crosby. Like, I, I understand why you don't like him. I get it. I get why you're like, I don't really like those guys. You know, what's
3: interesting is that Joe Burrow isn't the one that does a lot of it's like the players around him that do the talking for him. And I think other than like the cigar smoking, I can't think of a of a thing that Joe Burrow has said because he wasn't one that came up with Burrowhead. It was and Jamar Chase was the one that said Pat who so it's like Joe Burrow. I think because he's the face of the franchise gets a lot of that aggression, but he's usually not him doing the talking. it's other people.
1: So on the text line says I don't like Jamar Chase because he's mouthy with no reason. I just think that's being a star wide receiver in the National Football League, you know? Like I don't think Jamar Chase has really said anything that's like outside the realm of, "Hey, I might be the best wide receiver in the league," and that just comes with like a certain like aura around you of talking that I think that he does. Like I just think that I think that's really what it is. Nick Sirianni is a good one. I'm willing to put Joe Burrow on that list. I would say that there are more former chief villains than nine. Like, I think that Orlando Brown Jr. is on that list. I think that Tyree Kill is on that list. Let's remove Nick Sirianni because he is not a player. Is it Max Crosby and Joe Burrow then? Is it just four villains in total? It's like someone saying Lamar Jackson. No, you guys do not hate Lamar Jackson. It's really not the way like some of you hate John Elway hate like your least favorite athlete of all time is John Elway. None of you feel that way about Lamar Jackson. And I am telling you this. If Chris Jones gets traded, Chris Jones will be on that list. He will be. If this team loses in the second round of the postseason and the chiefs are then unable to come to a deal, they franchise tag them. And you already know. Chris Jones is going to do his talking on another team. That press conference. I'm happy to play for an organization that appreciates me, and I got paid. Oh, I'm telling you that he is going to get absolute. You guys are going to hate Chris Jones if this summer goes the way. I think it could potentially go where he gets franchise tagged and traded to another team because you know he's going to say something that pisses you off. I mean, he was doing that when he was wearing a Chiefs uniform. He was pretty split down the middle.
3: And yeah, especially with his uh, like ambiguous tweets. Like there, we were on we were on Jones' watch, Chris Jones' Twitter watch, for a while, trying to figure out if he was gonna let any information out.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking through some of this list, and I'm just I don't know. I just I've been here long enough to know like Robert Sala. Like no, you guys do not hate Robert Sala. What did Robert Sala even do that you would just like? Oh man, I really hate the Jets' coach. Like I, what, what has he done? How does he bother the Chiefs in any way? I just think it's got to the point where like. You are kind of the villain. Like Patrick Mahomes is the villain to a lot of people. Like, I hate that guy. I hate him. He's the golden boy of the league. He gets all the calls. Like, I think the Chiefs are probably more of the villain now. Maybe that's just why. It's like, why are we worried about these other teams? Like, they just don't really mean anything. I just, I was watching an interview with Max Crosby. And he was talking about his rivalry with Mahomes. It seems like very one-sided to me. Like, I don't know if Patrick really cares that much Max really seems to care. I don't know if Patrick really cares. I don't know if he looks at, like, if you asked him, like, hey, who are some of, like, your, I, I, I don't know if he would name. Max Crosby is one of those people. Uh, coming up on the side, we'll get to the top stories of the day in Kansas City. Keep it right here. to The Drive on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to The Drive with Carrington Harrison, brought to you by Pasquale Moore.
4: Remember, Mike's got this. Don't forget to catch Odyssey NFL insider Peter King every Tuesday at 4 p.m. right here on 610 Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.